Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. is a toxic relationship. I mean, this term is used a lot and often you might think of it as being abusive relationships. And the truth is that it really can be any kind of wrong pairing of two people. It could be romantic, platonic, even like people you work with where that person makes you feel undermined. It contaminates your self-esteem or that person, you know, it causes harm of some sort, and it could be intentional or not. And then your happiness dwindles, and it affects how you see yourself in the world. And here's the thing. Even strong, healthy, independent people can find themselves in the mix of a toxic relationship. In fact, everything may seem hunky-dory in the beginning and normal, and like that relationship can begin really strong and you feel so in love, and it's perfect, and then it slowly can turn, turn into something really dark and horrific, and you think to yourself, how the heck did I get here? I mean, how did I not see the signs? Here's the thing. Relationships evolve. They change. They grow. Sometimes they crash and burn. We never know how things will look when each other's less adorable kind of awful habits start rearing their ugly heads. And relationships can start healthy, but bad feelings, bad history, long-term unmet needs can fester, and it pollutes the relationship and changing the people in it. It can happen easily and quickly, and it can happen to the strongest of people. I recently ended a coaching cycle with a woman who had just come out of a very toxic marriage and she was trying to have the courage to go back to go back out and date again. Her ex-husband was extremely critical. She, he was jealous, would blame her for everything, and was constantly making these empty promises. So she found herself feeling really lonely and avoiding saying anything of what she needed because she came to realize, you know what? There wasn't any point and her self-esteem was completely shattered and she didn't even see her own value. And here's the kicker. Like if you were to see her, she was gorgeous. She had an amazing career, tons of friends and extremely talented in really a lot of things. But her husband had worked hard at dimming her light where she was left feeling empty and alone. And when we first started working together, she had a hard time getting back to the scene because she assumed everyone was like her ex and it was almost like a PTSD response. And we had to come up with a plan, a plan to overcome, first of all, her fears, and more importantly, to see her value. We worked a lot on her self-worth. We put up a dating profile that was really, really scary for her. But then you know, I had to empower her to really feel good about herself so that she could start taking action. And she started recognizing as she was talking to a ton of men online that not all men were like her ex. And she started dating smarter this time around with my guidance around where she practiced sharing more of herself, setting boundaries and seeing who showed up for her for once. 
So practicing receiving was huge for her. And she ended up dating a man in the end who gave her that. And it was the first time she experienced that since her marriage. And it, it was it was huge for her. You know, getting past fears after being in a toxic relationship can be overwhelming and paralyzing. And it takes practice. It takes motivation. It takes guidance to get there. And it's important to be clear about where the relationship starts and where you begin. You, you have to look for patterns, look for the triggers, then be mindful about what is okay and what isn't. And that all sounds great and easy, but it's not. <laughs> and that is why I'm bringing on an amazing woman who is going to help me talk about how to get rid of toxic relationships and what to do about it. After 23 years in healthcare, practicing as a primary care physician, doctor of chiropractic and acupuncturist, she continues to expand her professional reaches into the realm of toxic relationship healing. I love this. Earning both her Bachelor of Science and her doctorate in chiropractic medicine, she's able to work with a variety of conditions, lifestyles, and affiliates to treat and care for her clients. She has done extensive work in the area of adrenal dysfunction and the lifestyle changes that go with recovering from the effects of living with chronic stress. Emotional abuse awareness and healing is her specialty as she not only has had extensive experience working on those who whose lives have been affected by emotional narcissistic abuse, but she herself is a survivor as well, which makes her very relatable and trusted by her clients and followers. Welcome, Dr. Heidi. Thank you. I'm so happy to finally be here. I know. I know. I mean, you and I have been in touch for a while, and I just feel like... This is so timely. I told you this before we started pushing record that it's just, it comes up a lot, you know, when it, with my clients who are dating, getting back out there, who've been in these kind of toxic relationships. So I was super excited to have this conversation with you. I mean, before we get started, I have to know, because your bio obviously says that you have been a survivor yourself. I'd love to hear your story. Like, how did you get into all this and what did you go through? Well, so I try to keep the story short because there's never anything short about any of these stories, right? <laughs> You're like, well, Trust the short me. version is 27 minutes long. Um, no, I was raised on a small dairy farm in the mountains in Bozeman, Montana. And I grew up in a very, very sheltered Christian community. You know, we went to the Christian high school, went to the Christian grade school. We all left the community to go to the Christian colleges. My dad is a prison chaplain. My grandpa was a preacher. And in that community, we were very sheltered, you know. So I grew up in a community thinking everybody in the world was like the people in my community. And so when I left and went on to pursue my career, I think I left with the feeling that, you know, everybody has your best interest in mind. Mm. And it wasn't until I was already knee deep in it that I, I realized something is not right with, with this relationship, but because I'd never been a wife before. And because I'd never been in something that was, you know, that invested, like you said, um, in your intro, we take it upon ourselves to start changing things because obviously yeah. it must be our fault because the relationship isn't working. And when you have someone that's criticizing you and telling you the things that are wrong with you and you feel your self-worth slipping and you feel your self-confidence slipping, basically what it does is it puts you on a treadmill because all you can think of is seeking approval of this person. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, and as we all know, when we're on a treadmill, we're running our little legs off and where are we going? Going nowhere. Nowhere. And so I spent 15 years in that relationship. Um, Mm. And I mean, I don't have to describe it because if your people are listening to it, if I started talking about it, it would resonate with a lot of people who may feel like their relationship's not working like it's supposed to. And they really feel like there's trouble in it. Um, so we can talk about, you know, that type of thing in a minute, but I spent 15 years in it and I, I ended up basically running away. Um, I don't talk about my personal story a lot on my own podcast, just because I never know for sure who's listening. And Mm -hmm. for the protection of my kids, I, I choose my words carefully, but, um, that being said, when I left, I ended up leaving my business and I, I ended up leaving my kids and I left everything I worked for because I was so out of my head really is the only way I know how to describe it. I felt like I was absolutely going crazy Um, with the self-doubt and the inability to make decisions with me carrying around this awful, awful low value of myself. And so um, I left with nothing to start over with nothing. And I moved about four hours away and I started a new chiropractic office and I um, slowly built that up. And about, it was about six years ago, I really needed to add something. You know, anybody who's been in a career for a while, it's not that you don't like your career, but you like change. Change Mm -hmm. is good and change means you're growing. So I thought I'm going to start helping people um, make themselves a priority which kind of Kim is the baseline of what, what we do throughout our whole mission, both of us. Um, but I wasn't going to talk about a toxic relationship because, you know, that was in my past and nobody needed to know that. And it was embarrassing because it's abuse and people don't like talking about abuse. So I started doing some coaching in priority. And as I watched the people that were coming to me for that coaching were coming out of relationships exactly like the one I had been in. So I kind of, put my feelers out on my Facebook pages and just started posting character traits of the toxic person. Cause I thought surely this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life because I didn't want to talk about it before you weren't allowed to talk about it. And I thought now I'm going to start talking about it. And so I was, I was very hesitant and people just kept coming and coming. And the more they heard about my story, the more they wanted to know. And so that was six years ago. And just this past May, I actually retired from healthcare and I am now doing this full time. So my title is, wow. is Toxic Relationship Awareness and Healing Specialist. And I'll kind of tell you why I chose that, that title as well. Because um, you're, you're a therapist, correct? By training, yeah. But I, I, yeah, people know that I've shifted and changed over that because I combine it with coaching and image consulting. Oh, that yeah, you have like a thousand hats. I forgot. <laughs> but you know what's funny is it, it, I like that you mentioned your title because I now consider myself more of a strategist than anything else because to the point like you're talking, I think people need strategy and they also need you know somebody who specializes in something to help them get over a negative pattern and that's exactly what you're doing. So yeah, like tell me more about that title. So so we, I don't have a health, I mean, I have a healthcare degree, but I don't have a mental health degree, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know. You're as a primary care physician, which is what a chiropractor is, you're you're able to treat whatever, right? So I've done a lot of coaching, I've done a lot of meal planning, I've done a lot of, you know, attitude stuff, I've done a lot of lifestyle stuff, but anything that had to do with abuse, of course, I didn't talk about. So what I did when I decided to start doing this is I really reflected on what made the biggest changes in my past. What was it that made me go, oh, 
I get it now. And so the awareness part, I am a huge educator. I teach people what the character traits of the toxic person is for two reasons. One, so they can understand the situation. Because when you're in it and you're trying to figure out how a toxic person's mind works, we try to figure it out with the mind that we have. And our mind doesn't work the same way they do. It was as soon as I understood not what he did, but why he did it, Mm. I took all of his power away. So I do a lot of education on why they do what they do. We all know what they do. We could sit down and write till next Tuesday what they do. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So so the awareness, I do a ton of education. I, I do conferences I just to get the education out there because as soon as people can make the connection on, you know, yeah, they're criticizing me, but why are they criticizing me? Because as soon as you understand why, mm-hmm. it takes that awful feeling that you're not good enough away because it doesn't really have anything to do with you. So I, I want to touch on a little bit of how I educate through that. But then the awareness uh, and healing, just like you, we have to dig down deep and figure out who we are after a toxic teardown. Yeah. You know, we look in the mirror one day and we don't even recognize ourselves. We don't know what our favorite color is. We don't know what we like to eat because we've allowed other people to make those decisions, whether it was to avoid conflict or to not be mm-hmm. criticized or, but we give up our decision-making ability, which basically is an identity you know, it's a, it's like an identity theft type feeling. Oh, that is so true. I love that you just said that because, and when you're in it, you don't, you don't realize that until you're away from it. And then you look at it from a bird's eye view and you're like, wow, like I lost myself, you know, I didn't, or you may have not even known yourself to begin with, you know, depending on where you hit the relationship in the beginning. So yeah, you know, you said something really interesting and I do want to hear more about the character traits. You said that, you know, you were kind of avoiding talking about this, you know, because you wanted to put it behind you. And then the very thing that, you know, you were avoiding is what you help people now with. And I think that's just, it's just so beautiful because I think it also simulates things that we're talking about. It's it's kind of meta, (laughs) you know, because I think that, you know, often, especially if you're getting out there and dating, like you, you put the mask on and you try to be something that other people want you to see and not kind of be vulnerable to anything, you know, that you're in pain with because you haven't been allowed to quite honestly. Right. And it wasn't until you, you like accepted that and then you embraced it. And now look at how many people you help people with. And I, I feel like dating is the same way. It's not until you own who you are and really embrace things until you start attracting the like. So I just wanted to mention yes. that because it was really beautiful what you said. Well, but I always, I mean, I make a joke out of it now, but the whole time, those 15 years when I thought I was struggling, yeah, I was in training <sighs> yeah. because we become who we become by what we go through. And I always say, I wish I would have paid better attention because if I would have known, if you would have just told me I was in training, I would be so much better at this. But I think going back to the, um, the dating thing, Mm-hmm. You know, everyone that comes to me, I, I meet people where they're at. So I meet them when they're still in the toxic marriage or they're still in the toxic workplace or they're still in the toxic friendship mm. and I educate them while they're still in it. So they can understand that situation. And then I walk them through removing themselves and then we do the self-discovery. But one thing that always pops up is how am I ever going to trust anybody again? 
And I'm sure you deal with this all the time that throwing yourself out there into the dating scene or making new friends or having to find a new job. How do you trust? How do you trust people? Well, my, my goal is that you know yourself so well that when it's time for you to move forward back into the dating world or back into the finding friends, you're the only one you have to trust because you're not only going to trust yourself to see where the danger lies, but you're also going to trust yourself to put yourself first. So you don't have to worry about trusting every other person on the planet because you know yourself so well that you're the only one you have to trust. I love that. And it it does take um, time and tools in order to do that. And I do want to talk about that. So what are some of kind of the character traits that you talked about, you know, so the people listening can kind of help themselves identify that even if they're like going out and dating, like just things to look for. So I want to set just a really quick baseline of Mm -hmm. the toxic relationship. You were explaining it in the beginning when I use the word toxic relationship or toxic person, I use it as a blanket phrase because you know, we have, we have diagnosis like narcissistic personality disorder, right? And, you know, bipolar. Right. But what happens is it's the empathetic, kind, good, caring, loving people that get targeted by these, mm-hmm. this type of personality because toxic people don't think the way they, that we do. So at the end of the day, and some people may think that this is nice or not nice of me to say, but at the end of the day, if I'm talking to a client and they're feeling sorry for the toxic person because they've been diagnosed with something, Mm. but still at the end of the day, are they healthy for you or not? Because empathetic people are immediately going to feel sorry for somebody who has a diagnosis, which makes us feel obligated to stay and makes us feel guilty for leaving. So I like to keep toxic relationship just as a blanket phrase, because it's any relationship in the status that it's in that's unhealthy for you. Right. And, and the baseline of a toxic person, toxic people, regardless of why they are the way they are, are for some reason somewhat insecure. Okay. And in order to feel secure in themselves, they need to feel control, power, attention, and admiration. So they find their security from the people around them where Kim, you and I've been through enough that we know where, where does our self-security has to come from within ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Toxic people don't operate like that. Right. They need this supply of this control and power feeding to them every day from other people around them. So that's why the empathetic people and the nice people and the caring people, and the, oftentimes the people that are in service oriented industries, your healthcare people, your nurses, your, you know, cosmetologists, therapists, yes, therapists, (laughs) anybody who, anyone in the helping profession, it's right. The helping profession, we're target because they already know we want to help people. And so when they're, when they're searching for this control, power, attention, admiration feeling every day so that they feel secure, they use what we call the character traits to achieve those four things so that they feel secure. And if somebody uses me like as a private coach, we go through the character traits. My program has 21 of them in it. There's, uh-huh. you can go, I mean, I didn't write them. I just mm-hmm. used 21 that I knew I had examples for from my previous life. Cause you can Google the character traits of a toxic person anywhere. Mm-hmm. But there are things like, there's always a feeling of tension that kind of not in your stomach, right? When they're mm-hmm. around or when they call or when their name shows up on your phone. Um, healthcare speaking, and you know this too, that pain in your stomach is your body's natural defense mechanism telling you something's wrong. 
Mm-hmm. It's the listen to your gut thing. But when you don't listen to it, you get so used to that pain being there that you don't even notice it anymore. Um, criticisms, comparisons, name calling, belittling, you know, competing with you over things. Those are all character traits of a toxic person because toxic people feel better if other people are struggling. If they can criticize you and make you feel bad, they feel the power and control feeling that they want. So making you feel bad makes them feel better. Um, Things like, of course, toxic people do not like to take responsibility for their actions. So you're not going to hear a sincere apology very often. Um, They're going to blame you. They're going to blame others. They're going to blame the weather. They're going to blame COVID. They're going to blame whatever they need to, as long as they don't have to take responsibility for their actions. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, those are such common ones too, that come to my mind as well. And I, I think what's really fascinating also is, you know, what you were mentioning about how these toxic people attract helpers, so to speak, and that, you know, the insecurity comes from kind of the lack of love they received. And so, you know, they do things in order to get attention, even if it's negative attention or ways to fill themselves up. But in the end, it's never enough. So I I think that a lot of times when people are in it, they're like, oh, well, if I just do this, then things will get better. Or if if I just give him one more thing or her one more thing, then it'll go away. And I think that's what's so hard about toxic Mm -hmm. relationships, right? Yeah. And you said, you know, if I just give one more thing, but there's also the part of us losing ourselves. Yeah. They, they want our attention. So they cause us to feel like we have to give up the good things in our lives. You know, time with your family and friends, they, they will try and isolate you from your family and friends. For one, they want the attention on them. And when you go visit your family, where's your attention? Your attention is on your family. They'll isolate you from your support system so they don't have to answer to how they treat you. Right. You know, um, confessions is one that it's, it's kind of hit or miss, but, um, you know, making things up about their health or stress at work or family, you know, family past so that you don't leave them and that you feel sorry for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fear, fear Mm -hmm. in any relationship is a red flag. And, and when I say fear, I'm not talking about fear for your life. Obviously, that is a red flag. But fear of making them mad, fear of upsetting them, fear of not doing everything perfect, fear of not getting the list done, you know, fear of making the wrong decision. Fear in a relationship is a red flag. So if you find yourself, let's see, if I choose A, are they going to be mad? Or if I choose B, are they going to be less mad? Yeah. And that's what drives motivation. And so people then forget how to be motivated for themselves. That's an important part, you know, because you're, you're in constant fear. It's either to avoid or to get a reward of some sort. Right. And I have one of my podcast episodes and it was one that I just decided one day I was going to do it. And it ended up being one of my most popular one, but it's called, are you a stick fetcher? And are are you a what? A stick fetcher. Oh, a stick fetcher. <laughs> because, oh, yeah, that's great. Because toxic people train you yes. by repetition and reprimand to uh-huh. give them what they need. So, and I, I used in that podcast, you know, when you're teaching a dog to fetch a stick, we do it by repetition and reprimand. But after the dog knows how to fetch a stick, he doesn't care who's throwing the stick. So we are so trained to accommodate mm-hmm. to this person's, 
you know, behavior and this person's needs that it doesn't matter what stick they throw, we go get it. Yeah. Yeah. But we would (laughs) never go pick up our own stick because we don't have time to do that. We have to pay attention to the stick the toxic person is throwing all the time. Right. Well, and as we're talking about this, you know, it, it, you can see how it is so easy to almost get stuck there, you know, where you're just almost like numbing out and you get so like immune to all of this stuff. I mean, what are ways that you teach people to get out of a toxic relationship? So I probably have a thousand things I could list, but the Mm -hmm. the thing that's going to make the biggest impact And when you present it to somebody who does not understand the depth of the damage that's been done, they kind of are standoffish with you at first, but toxic people need to see a reaction. They need to see an emotional reaction from you to remind themselves they're in control. So if they can make you cry, if they can make you laugh, if they can make you get upset, those are emotional reactions. If they can make you feel guilty. So that's, that's why they can be nice on Monday and everything seems fine. And on Tuesday, they're a totally different person and you're crying yourself to sleep Mm -hmm. because all of those are emotional reactions. And when they see it, it reminds them that they're in control. So to, to start taking steps to taking your power back is they need to see an emotional reaction because here's the kicker. They're emotionally abusive. They're using your emotions against you for their advantage. So if you, if you know they need an emotional reaction to know they're in control, what you start slowly doing is pulling your emotion out of corresponding with them. Mm, So they need a reaction. You don't give them one, but in certain situations, we have to be careful because some things can get volatile and some things can get very dangerous because when they see or sense a change in your behavior, they're going to feel the loss of control, which makes them feel insecure. That is so true. There was a woman actually that I was working with and her ex was, you know, every time he would text her, she would get so upset and she would start, you know, angrily texting him back. And I, I said exactly what you're talking about. I said, you need to not respond until, you know, you're in a neutral place. And the only response should be, you know, almost like for business, you know, when are you picking up the kids? Not an emotion. Yep. And you know what, according to the text, just because you brought it up um, and you'll probably find yourself using this, but they are so trained to fetch that stick about texting them back. Well, if I don't text them back, they're going to be mad. Right. And so I always say, well, what's the worst thing that could happen if you don't text them back? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, well, I'll get 27 more texts. You're going to get 27 more texts anyway. That's right. Yep. So best response is no response or neutral response. (laughs) But you know, when, when people are, have been trained to react to them a certain way, it's very difficult to, to, you know, go through that, that deprogramming. Yes. But if we can keep it simple enough for people to see that they've been trained and it's just a reprogramming, it's not as scary as you think it is. It's a process for sure. But you know, once you start feeling some of, some of yourself come back, it's not near as scary. I love that. Okay. So one is to not really have an emotional reaction. What's another one? Well, obviously no contact is actually the very best. Now there's several situations that people cannot 
go no contact. For instance, if you have joint custody of children, right, right, or if it's a if it's a parent or a sibling, you know, unless it's very drastic, you want you want to still be able to spend the holidays or at least be able to you know engage with them over family events and stuff. So then you have to learn what topics to talk about, what topics to avoid, extend the amount of time between visits and lessen the time of visits. You know, it all goes back to the, you can, you can make it through two hours of opening Christmas presents if you don't give them a reaction. Mm, yes. Love that. Okay. And, and then it's the same thing you do. It's self-discovery. You know, start thinking about what do you want your life to look like? What do you want more of in your life? What do you want less of in your life? And of the stuff that you want less of, what's bringing that in your life? Start seeing because like you said in your intro, Kim, all of a sudden here we are and we're like, how in the world did we get here? Mm-hmm. And it's because we're not allowed to put any attention into our own lives. And so we're so used to not thinking about ourselves that thinking about ourselves makes us feel selfish or it makes us feel guilty. You know, we shouldn't be thinking about ourselves and what we want. We're, we're supposed to be giving of ourselves to everyone that needs it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think those are really, I, I like that mindset and also just like those simple tools. It's really about setting boundaries, you know, for yourself mm-hmm. and also, you know, for the toxic person. And when you do that, it creates the space where you can focus on yourself. And this is like kind of my next question. I don't know if you help people with this or you see this. I mean, as a therapist, I know this to be true is that we often, you know, get attracted to what we know, right? And that a lot of times this is a cycle. And so maybe it's the same person in a different disguise, you know? And and so there's a series of toxic relationships. Like what are some things that people can do to avoid relapsing, you know, into these kind of toxic situations? So the number one thing that, that I do with my clients mm-hmm. is they know the character traits so well that they're about sick of me pointing out. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Because, because if you don't know how to spot them and you've been in a multiple or repetitive toxic relationships, you're not going to, you're not going to know the difference. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to really, really, you know, we all have toxic traits. Every one of us has the capability of being toxic, but the trick with toxic people, like you said, it is a cycle. It is repetitive and it is cyclic. So when somebody goes out with somebody for the first time and you know this person is bad mouthing people, well, to me, that would be a red flag. But that doesn't mean this is a toxic person because maybe he was indeed just having a bad day or maybe she did have other stuff on her mind. But then it's, it's the follow-up that's important. It's not like you have to run away the minute the first red flag pops up because like I said, we all have character traits that are toxic. But it's when you start seeing them repetitively or seeing more than one of them in this person. And that's when you have to trust yourself to go, oh, these are red flags. And as much as I want this to be something good, this is probably not the person for me. And that falls right back on knowing yourself well enough to have the courage to trust yourself and choose yourself. It's the choosing ourselves that's the hardest part because we want people to like us. And we, we worry about what other people think and we want to be accepted. Well, and that's true. And I think if you're a helper, 
you know, to your point, what you were saying before is that it feels so good when somebody is giving you the attention and toxic people, a lot of times are very charming in the beginning. You know, they, they know exactly where you live and how to hook you. And so it can, it can feel really like almost like a drug for, for people. And I, I think you're right. That character trait should be a Bible that everybody yes. carries and with them on my, dates. My poor girls, if they tell me they've gone on a date, I'm right away. Yeah. Did you see any red flags? They're like, mom, oh my God. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing too, because I it goes back to, you know, not generalizing either. Like there's a balance. And Mm -hmm. I always say everyone's innocent until proven guilty. And and so you have to collect evidence. And sometimes the pink flags turn into the red flag folder. You know, it's almost like you're having filing folders in your mind. Mm -hmm. And when that, when that red folder starts piling up, yeah, you know, it's kind of something you need to pay attention to. So. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we talk about, we were talking about the beginning of the of the relationship where it's the beginning of any relationships, you know, it's fast and furious and everything's fun and everything's very, very exciting. And usually in the beginning of the relationship, if you are in a relationship with a toxic person and you don't know it yet, Mm -hmm. you are the one supplying them with attention and admiration. They use that time to gain your trust, to make you think they're trustworthy. And when they have gathered enough information, they will move you from the one who supplies them with attention and admiration into the one that's now feeding them with the power and control. Right. Right. So, so you go from, Oh, this is the best relationship ever. All of a sudden into something that this doesn't feel right anymore. And then what we do is we sit there and wait for the person from the beginning to come back. Mm-hmm. He never comes back. No, the person from the beginning is, is an actor. Mm-hmm. And, and after they get what they need from you, enough information, their little information gatherers, they stick it all in their little back pocket. So when they need it, they need to use something against you. They've got it. Um, but yes, they disappear and they, they don't come back unless, unless you've decided to cut them off. Then they show back up for a minute and we think, Oh, they've changed. He's back. She's back. (laughs) This is what I've been waiting for. I knew if I just put enough effort into it and I just was patient. And then as as soon as you, they can suck you back into where you're back under their control, that person will disappear again. The disappearing act. Uh, well, Dr. Heidi, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel like I could go on and on with you, <laughs> but we'll continue on on your podcast, which is yes. next, right? So yes. those of you listening, I, I, where can everyone find you and talk about your podcast too? So um, coachingwithdrheidi.com is my website. I do have something on my website called the toxicity profile analysis for people who may be wondering if their relationship is unhealthy. Um, I am going to add, I don't know when you're airing this. We had a computer update that has that toxicity profile giving us just a little bit of a problem. So if you try to take it and it doesn't work, shoot me a message and I'll let you know when it works. It's totally embarrassing that I have to say that, but technology is, I'm at (laughs) technology's mercy mercy right now, right now. Admitting it's the first step, Dr. Heidi. I love it. It's still embarrassing. But, But what that test does is it's a long test, but you will get a mild, moderate, or severely affected by the toxic traits of others answer. But the results I get, I can see each one of the questions correlates to one of the 21 character traits. So the results I get, I can see how many yeses you have in each character trait. So 
should somebody decide to do a consultation with me, I already know exactly what type of personality they're dealing with before I ever even get on the phone with them. Because oh, it's, it's exhausting and it's very emotional to have to start, well, 15 years ago and try to try to tell this story because it's very upsetting. So that is on mm-hmm. my website. The podcast, there's a link to my podcast on the website, but my podcast is on, like yours, I'm sure, on all the major platforms. It's called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Love it. Oh. So. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And it was such an enlightening conversation, really. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Awesome. And thanks for joining me today. You listening. This has been the Charisma Quotient as always. I'm your host, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you keep asking yourself why you're still single and feeling powerless about your love life, there are three things you can do right now. So first, as you, a lot of you know, I have that free Facebook group. So hop in there. It's called the Love Makeover Insiders, and you can get motivated and inspired by other women and help you get over some of the fears you might be having and get a kickstart into your love life. And second, you can grab my exclusive podcast audio course, This May Be Why You Suck at Dating. (laughs) That will be where you can learn how to get out of your head and into his bed. And it's a juicy audio only episodes where you can access right here, just like you listen to on my podcast. And if you ever thought, I wish I knew what I was doing wrong after failed dating experiences, then check it out. And finally, as always, you can sign up for my free coaching session if you want to strategize how to stop attracting toxic relationships and attracting new healthier ones as you're getting out there and dating. And remember, it starts with you and working on yourself is working on your love life. That's all for now. <laughs>